Um, good to be back. Uh, big camp, a couple of weeks of big camp. I wasn't here last week, I don't know if a few of you were, but it's been a bit, not quite as many people around maybe, but um, back into a fresh. It's great. I actually, um, I, I can honestly say this, I'm not even making this up, I'm not even saying this because I'm, the, you know, the chaplain, pastor, whatever you want to call me, um, but I actually do miss not being at Refresh. Um, it's pretty cool, so it's good to see your faces. Uh, as, as we talked about, as Sarah was just talking about and Simo mentioned as well, um, dare you to move, go fish. What we're talking about, we're going we're to, over a few weeks, three, four weeks, we're going to talk about what it means to be a follower. And earlier in the year, we, we did a series on what it is to be a follower. Um, sorry over there, Ben, mate, you're just looking so lonely over there by yourself. You know, I'll just like, I'll try and make that, uh, yes, yeah, all that stuff. I'll try and keep the eye contact over there, mate. Um, but we, we talked about uh, being a follower and what that meant, about being a follower of Jesus Christ. Um, and to, today and for the next few weeks, what we're going to look at, we're sort of going to go, what's beyond that? And what does actually being a follower mean practically? And uh, we're going to start start off with, uh, with this whole concept of when Jesus called his disciples and, and they were fishermen and, and what that meant for them and, and does that mean anything for us as well. Uh, 2006, I think it was, it was 2006, I was, uh, I was working in Newcastle as a pastor, uh, I was pretty green at the time, um, <laughs> still am, uh, but I was working as a chaplain, part of the role that I had, uh, I was working as a chaplain at Newcastle University and there was a chaplaincy centre there and there were people from all types of faiths and denominations working in that chaplaincy centre and uh, I, was, I was one of the number, we had, there was a couple of, there was a Catholic priest, a Catholic nun, there was a couple of Anglicans, um, one of the Anglicans knew more about Adventists than I actually knew back on air again. All right, so yeah, one of, the, one of these um, Anglican guys, he knew more about Adventists than I did, so if anything, ever had a question about Adventists, you know, what Adventists believe, I'd just go and ask him. Um, then there was, you know, there was some Mormons there, there was, there was all types of, there was some Baptists, there was all types of people there, so it was just, it all went together, it was great fun, it was a re- actually really, really enjoyed hanging out with those chaplains, and there was a chaplaincy centre there, and we'd have students come in, and, and we'd just help them whenever we could, and, and do whatever. Um, but the thing that struck me about working in the chaplaincy centre, and working sort of, I was there one day a week, uh, working sort of relatively closely with these other people of other faiths uh, and other denominations, um, that not all of them, and this was a bit of a surprise for me, I've grown up a Seventh-day Adventist, okay, that's, that's just who I am, um, fully recognising that, you know, not all of you have done that and that's great, in fact, probably, you know, that's a, that's a good thing um, in some ways, but I noticed that, like, for these, these are some of these other chaplains, that actually sharing, sharing, you know, Jesus Christ with people wasn't really on their radar, it just wasn't something that, that they were interested in. Um, they were there to support people, you know, if, if, if someone came in who was, you know, similar religion to them, that they'd come in and they'd help them or they'd guide them or instruct them or whatever it might be for, for that particular student as they come in or, or staff. Um, but for, for many of these people, actually sharing Jesus Christ just wasn't a priority. And for me, it was like, well, isn't that why we exist? You know, isn't that what, isn't that what, you know, isn't that what we do? Isn't that like why we get out of bed in the morning as a pastor or, you know, as someone working in this field? Aren't we sort of, isn't this like sent in front of, isn't this like what we're meant to be doing? And so I found that fairly interesting and, and I guess for some of us, uh, some of us might be like, yep, that's what, I, that's what I live for, that's, you know, if you're a teacher here at school, you might, you know, yeah, you've got curriculum to run but you, you, 
um, you know, you, you're here to share the word or you get out of, you know, whoever you are, whatever you do, you're thinking everything's done in the context of how do I share Jesus Christ? For others, it might be, I never want to do that, okay? That's way too scary. You know what, I'm not, not, not passing judgment here or anything, that's just how it is. Some of us are like, oh yeah, like, oh, I know we sort of should and sometimes people put the pressure on us to do that, but like, uh, it's not really my thing and I don't feel equipped for it and I'm too young or I'm too old or, you know, I haven't done enough studies or I don't even know anything about God, I don't even know if I'm a follower myself, I'm just sort of, you know, around, hanging around the edges a little bit, that's cool. But, but each of us come to this with a, with a slightly different perspective and, um, and I guess from that, you know, I want to explore what Jesus had to say about this. Uh, I want to explore about um, when Jesus called his disciples, what, what was Jesus' expectations versus even maybe the disciples' expectations of what, what did they actually think they were getting into? Um, for many of us, I suppose, when we sign up for this whole Christianity thing, if indeed that's what you have done, um, some of us sort of start thinking, well, okay, now I'm a Christian, okay, I've got to do the right thing. I've got to, I've got to put some of these old, you know, these old habits away. I've, you know, I've got to be careful with what I do. I should be careful with what I say. You know, no more gossiping, or only if it's around prayer. Um, you know, no more, um, you know, stealing something. Well, well, you can download stuff. That's not stealing, really, because you don't get caught. Like, okay, you know, like, so you start sort of going through these things and you start thinking, like, you know, I should be a better person now that I'm a Christian. And, and that's sort of what, you know, for many of us, that's what a follower is all about. You know, okay, this is what I should be doing, I should be praying. Oh, I don't pray very often, maybe I pray, you know, two or three times a week, you know, when something bad happens, but otherwise, well, we've always got Saturday in church, we pray then, that should do us for the week, surely. Uh, you know, reading the Bible, like, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of us, it's just like, it's, yeah, like, don't really get all that serious about you know, we, we, we have these goals and these concepts of what we think it should be, but, but what is that really in comparison to what Jesus Christ had asked people to do? Um, so we're going to have a little bit of a look at that um, and what it, what it really means. Um, if Jesus came up to you and said, and I'll put it in context of me, you know, Neil, come follow me. I mean, we've got the history and for some of us who have been around Christian circles for a while, we, I guess we understand about the whole life of Christ and if you haven't been around Christian circles for that long, it might be fresh and new to you and that's cool. But if, you know, Jesus came up to me or Jesus came up to you and said, okay, follow me, what would your expectations be? You know, is it that more, well, okay, if I'm following Christ, that means if he's got, if he's got his eyes on me 24-7, then I'll, you know, I can definitely need to give up or stop saying or, you know, be careful with or, you know what I'm saying, or... or what would your expectations be? So I'm going to go to, um, to Mark. And in Mark, in some ways, this is pretty confronting. Uh, in Mark chapter 1, and this is, this is where Jesus, uh, well, it's in all of his Gospels he records this, um, uh, sorry, it is recorded about calling his first disciples. But I'm just going to have a look at the Mark, the Mark uh, version. And in some ways, I guess this, this is pretty confronting. It's pretty confronting, especially if we put ourselves in that scenario, if we put ourselves in that situation. Uh, and in Mark chapter 1, and we're going, to go to, we're going to start off in verse 14, just to pick up a little bit of context on this story. And here, what we're talking about is, is Jesus calling his first disciples. But we'll just start, we'll back it up a little bit, and we'll get a little bit of context into this story. Mark 1:14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. Okay, John put in prison. John the Baptist, 
Uh, John the Baptist was the guy, we've talked about him here, but if you, in case you weren't here and you're not sure, John the Baptist was a, was a special guy uh, chosen by God to, and the Bible describes it as, prepare the way for Jesus. In other words, he went, he went about preaching, he went about telling everyone around, this is, this is who's coming, this is Jesus Christ, um, he's going to be the Messiah, he's the special one, and he had a special purpose. Uh, he didn't mind telling the officials what he thought about them, about, you know, these hierarchy, and they didn't like that, so they threw him in prison. Okay, there's the context of that little bit of story. But he went around proclaiming the good news. Sorry, Jesus went around proclaiming the good news after John was put in prison. Uh, and the, this is what he said, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. Okay, so Jesus is saying, all right, here we are, the time has come. Now, put yourself back in context of a Jew, you know, 2,000 years ago, you're occupied by the Romans, they had you under, you know, under rule, so you couldn't really do anything without their permission, more or less. It was, it was pretty tight, you hated the Romans. If you're a Jew, you hated the Romans. And when Jesus says, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near, the first thing you're going to think of is what? What are you going to think of? You can give me some feedback. What are you going to think of? If you're a, if you're a Jew in the time, controlled by the Romans, the kingdom of God is near, what's the first thing that's going to come to mind? Okay, rid, rid of the Romans, all right? So, oh, here we've got this guy who's proclaiming at least, we'll, we'll see how he goes, but he's actually saying the kingdom of God is near, equals get rid of the Romans, all right? That's just, that's, that's where it was, that was what was going on in your head. Um, repent and believe the good news. So they're going, all right, we need to be good. All right, we need to, we need to do the right thing, we need to repent, we need to, we need to okay, here's, the, here's what this guy's got. John the Baptist, he's been, going, he's been talking and, and preaching the good news, the Messiah's coming, here he is, and he's saying the, the kingdom of God is near. All right, we're just about to get rid of the Romans and we can set this, this land up, this country, this, this territory to become a holy land again. And we can, you know, live happily ever after, so to speak. And so that was, that was where the, that's how the, the Jews would have been, that's what the Jews would have been going through. And, and for the disciples, or the yet-to-be disciples, but soon-to-be disciples, they would have been thinking something fairly similar. Okay, verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Okay, pretty obvious. So we've got, Andrew, uh, we've got Simon and Andrew casting a net into the lake. And then he says, for they were fishermen. Okay, pretty obvious they were fishermen there, throwing a net into the lake. Um, but he says to them, ready? He says, um, come follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers of men. So when he says, come and follow me, now they would have already heard, Jesus was already wandering around and Jesus was already talking about the kingdom okay so they would have they would have sort of known who this guy was but when he comes along and he says to them specifically come and follow me they were pretty excited about that but this is what he says he actually says come follow me and i'll make you fishers of men i don't know what that meant to andrew and to simon and to the other guys who were there does that mean like you know you catch them gut them you know scale them send them off to market whatever you know what does fishers of men actually mean like but here these guys are listening to this story and Jesus says, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, we, we, you know, if you've read this passage before, it's all fairly, oh yeah, yeah, get that. But think about what he didn't say. He didn't say, come and follow me and I'll make you a better person. He didn't say, come follow me and I'll give you a whole heap of knowledge that's going to make you powerful or, or rich. Or he didn't say, come follow me, I'm going to make you one of my right hand rule you know like 
you know, army commando-y type rulers or something like that. Like he just said, come follow me and this is what's going to happen. Come follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. And, and here it sort of goes um, hand in hand, this following Jesus goes hand in hand with being a fisher of men. Often when we sign up for Christianity, often it, I mean, and it's, it's, all, it's, sort of, it's all about us, it's all about me. Often when we sign up for Christianity, it's like, well, you know, there's eternal life, you know, one day there's going to be heaven and I get to live forever, beauty, you know, I want to sign up for that because it's better than just, you know, dying and then that's it. Or it might be, you know, I pray to God, God's really there and he can help me in certain situations, so I want to sign up for that and, you know, it's... And if you don't think you do that, you may not, but, it, but just do a little bit of a reality check and think about what you pray for. Think about the prayers that you pray and that will probably tell you how you perceive your Christian experience. If your prayer goes something like, Heavenly Father, thank you for the lovely day, um, uh, please bless me, um, help me have a great day, you already said that, uh, um, please protect me, please uh, give me a, you know, something... If your, if your prayers are, give me, please help me, please protect me, please give me, please help me, please protect me, uh, give me, help me, protect me, and not much else, you know what I'm saying? If it's me in the sentence all the time, then that's probably how you're seeing your Christian experience. It's like, it's pretty self-centered. It's pretty like, well, God's here for me and, you know, and, and help me and protect me. And, look, and not, not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not saying, you know, asking God because that's, that's part of it, but I think there's a whole lot more. And here... Um, probably a couple of thousand years later I think this same scenario this come follow me this being a follower of Jesus Christ still actually means being a fisher still actually means someone who needs to be sharing Jesus with someone else now right now you might be thinking oh that's that's not for me um, like it's cool like you know it's it's all right for some people to share Jesus Christ but it's not for me In the Bible, in, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, Jesus has numerous encounters with a whole variety of different types of people. And these people, once they have experienced Jesus Christ, once they encountered Jesus for themselves and had something significant happen to them, no matter who they were, no matter what background they had, the first thing they did was go and tell other people about it. Um, there was... There was excuse me, all sorts of people. There was tax collectors who were sort of the lowest sort of scum of society. Jesus sort of touched them and off they went. And they, they, they couldn't help but tell other people about Christ. There was, there was, there was prostitutes, there was, uh, there was demon-possessed men. Like, you know, you couldn't get much worse than this. But as soon as these people who had no skill, they weren't pastors, they didn't go to, to some training, you know, seminary, some training college for, for a number of years, they didn't, they didn't have it all together. But all they knew is that Jesus Christ had touched them and asked them to share their experience and that's what they did and they made a, a huge impact in the world because they were prepared to get out of bed and make it happen. Because they realised that being a follower equals being a fisher. Being a follower of Jesus Christ equals I'm going to share my faith with other people. When Peter and Andrew and these other guys signed up to be a follower, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ... Do you think that that, even for a moment, that they would have realised the significance of what they were doing? 
Like, if you put yourself back in their shoes, like, here's this guy, yeah, they've signed up and they, they followed this guy for sure, but, but they had no idea that what was going on around them was that they were actually a player in the history of, you know, of God himself, in the history of this earth, that these guys, they were just like, all right, I'll just go and do whatever. And that's what they did. Um, verse 19. This is sort of just, just finishes up on this story. When he'd gone a little further, so Jesus just talked to, to uh, Andrew and Simon. Um, and sorry, we'll go to 18. At once they left their nets and followed him. They said, right, let's go. I don't even know if they realised that what fishers of men really meant, but they said, let's go anyway. And when they'd gone a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. In other words, straight away, they just said, right, we're out of here. And if you actually go to the book of Luke and you look at this, at this uh, story in Luke, it, it actually talks about as well, it's this time when, when Jesus was actually with them and, and he asked the guys to throw their nets out onto the, onto, you know, onto the water in the middle of the day and they've gone, um, they've just gone, why would we do that? Why would we throw our nets out into the, into the, you know, into the water in the middle of the day? We've been fishing all night, we're not going to catch anything. You're a carpenter, we're a fisher, why would we listen to you? But we'll do it anyway. And so they did and they drag up all these fish. And so here's this, this sort of, I guess, miraculous story, this thing, oh, hang on a minute, there's something, that, that's not normal. And so they immediately just went, let's get out of here, let's follow this guy. And so they follow the guy, so I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what impact, I don't know what experience you might have had with Jesus Christ. But here these guys saw something pretty special and went, you know what, I'm going to follow. I'm going to just change my path, my life. I'm going to just, I don't know where, I don't know where this is going, but I'm going to be prepared to, to follow this and just see what happens. And I want to be a fisher. If you are someone who hasn't been around Christianity all that long, or maybe you're not even like really sold out on it just yet, or maybe you're someone who's grown up as a Christian and you've, you've been a Christian all your life and, and, and whatever, I don't know where you are on that scale or where you fit in that continuum. Some people will go, you know what, I'm too young for this. I'm too young to be a fisher. I'm too young to actually go and share my faith with other people. Or some people might go, well, I'm too old. Or, well, I don't have that training. I don't have that experience. I don't, you know, I haven't, I haven't been to, you know, as I said before, to a college or something like that. Fact is that Jesus uses every single person in the way, uh, in their own circumstances, to reach people that other people could never reach. Here's an example. I fully believe that, and we'll talk about this in the next few weeks, I fully believe that the most influence you can have over somebody else is when, that you, when you are connected with that person, when you have a personal relationship, when you are a friend with those people. The people you're going to have most influence over are your friends. And if you're at school, like, you're going to have the most influence over your other friends at school. Uh, and it's in the relationship that we actually begin to be able to share our faith with others. With outside of a relationship, not saying it can't happen, but outside of a friendship, outside of a relationship of some sorts, then it's really hard to make a difference. It's really hard to share Jesus Christ with someone who you don't know. I mean, I don't know, maybe there's somebody here who, who may have just 
picked up the Bible for themselves and found Jesus Christ and that's possible and, and, and probable that there's one or two people here like that. It's possible that you might have seen something on TV and you might have, you know, seen someone talking or you've seen something and it's possible that you might go, wow, there's something in that. But probably, most probably, most of you are here because somebody else has touched your life. You had a friend or you had somebody you knew or it might have been a family member or something like that actually reached out to you and touched your life. That's probably why most people are here. And if you're a school student and you have friends at school and there's other people in your class or in your, in your year level or wherever it might be that don't, you know, not really into the whole God thing, then the best people to reach those are you. Or if you work in a certain you know, workplace somewhere, um, I don't know the people that you work with, uh, no one else probably knows the people that you work with, but you do, and you have a relationship, you have a rapport with those people. The best people that you, the best people that can reach those people is you, yourself. Or you might say, well, well hang on a minute, Neil, I've only, I've only just started this whole Christianity thing, and how do I know, how do I know what to say, or how do I know how to, to actually, how do I know how to fish, how do I, I don't even know how to bait a hook, you know, I don't even know what gear to use. Like, you know, how do I, a bit like you, Daryl, I've never been fishing in life and Damo's sitting there, man, I just reel them in all the time. You know, he's just like, oh, he's the expert, just go and talk to Damo. Like, some of us might think, well, oh, I just could never do that. In fact, again, ready? Most people, most people are drawn to Jesus Christ because of the messenger, not the message. Message is important, don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. Message is very important. But when people look at the messenger, that's what they make their opinion on most often. That can be good or bad. There's <laughs> plenty of bad examples. You know, examples of man, they call themselves a Christian. Man, that's embarrassing. <laughs> you know, I don't really want to lie myself with that person. You know, they do all sorts of dodgy stuff. It's true, yeah? Like, I mean, you giggle, but it's true. Like, it's just, that's how it is. In fact, if people are a part of a church community, you know, and if they ever, you know, think, I don't want to be part of that anymore, most times it's because, I don't know, man, there's a whole bunch of people there that just, they're just out of control. I don't want to be anything to do with that. That's just happens. But it happens in a good way as well. And when people see, you know, genuine, authentic people living a good Christian life and looking out for others, it's just something that's drawn. You're just drawn to that sort of stuff. Most people are attracted to the messenger, not the message. That's just how it runs. Message is important, absolutely. Message, the message what is what makes the messenger, you know, seem, seem great. I can't reach people in your lives. I can't reach, you know, even at school, you know, looking at you guys here at school, like, I don't have the relationship that you guys have with your friends or, your, your, you know, in your workplaces. In fact, I just, I often wish that I could spend so much more time even here at school mucking around with the students. Um, but, like, there's 800-odd students at the school, including, the, you know, the Early Learning Centre put it over 900. Um, you know, that gives me, like, a nanosecond a day, you know, to spend with each kid. It's just not going to happen, you know, but... I wish I could, or sometimes I actually wish I think, you know what, I live in this, 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 this world of, you know, it's a, it's a Christian school and, um, you know, sometimes I wish I could have a lot more friends outside that just in the community. But this is where God has put me, and, but it's where God's put you as well. And I think, you know, sometimes we think, you know, but I'm not good enough or I, I have lots of bad stuff in my life or whatever it might be. Um, you know, God can use use your stuff. God can use you and your circumstances to reach people that no one else can. I live at 176 Belmere Road, Belmere. 
And I know Gus and his family live at 174 Belmere Road, Belmere, and I know that Daryl lives in 178 Belmere Road, Belmere. None of you knew that. None of you know those people. You know, I know that, you know, Petra lives at 180 Belmere Road. None of you knew that. I'm not saying I'm the got it all together, don't get me wrong, but do you understand what I'm saying? We all have our own little places that we can reach other people that no one else is ever going to have the chance to do. And that's a significant thing. When Jesus said, come follow me, he said, come follow me and fish. Come and I'll make you fishers of men. He didn't say, I'm going to make you a better person. He didn't say, I'm going to give you, um, you know, a great life. He just said, I'm going to make you fishers. I'm going to make you fisher of men. Those guys thought, all right, let's go. Let's have a look at this. Um, some people say, uh, I guess, people say, you know, I have, I'm so busy, I'm so tied up. There's a lot of stuff in my life. Um, and I guess when we come back to that prayer that we prayed, before, you know, we are talking about before, often when we pray, it's just like, God, give me, God, help me, God, protect me. You know, it's all about me. And it's a lot of time it's about our temporal stuff. That's the, that's, that's the physical stuff we have. But the thing about all the temporal stuff is the temporal stuff is temporary. That it's, only, it's, only, it's really only good between when you're born and when you die. And... That's it, like all the stuff that you're looking for or you're chasing, like all about me stuff, that's, it's when you're born, when you die, what's in the middle, yeah, it's important then, but it hasn't got eternal consequences. If we're out there fishing for others, man, that impact goes on forever. It has the potential to go on forever. And, and it's something that we can, we can get right into. Um, and I think that God can actually use those temporal or temporary things to put us put ourselves into a position where we can actually reach out to others that no one else can Um, when jesus said come follow me and i'll make you fishers of men um, like i said before i think that that has a consequences um, for for all of us people the disciples went out fishing and they caught fish, so to speak. They, they helped others and they helped others and they fished and they fished and they fished until 2,000 later, years later, there's still people fishing. There's still people making, making impacts into people's lives. Um, if we don't... If we, if we just sort of sit back and keep our spiritual journey all to ourselves, I think there's a number of things, but it's probably about... There's three things, at least three things, that, that might happen. First thing is this. The first thing is there will be opportunities that will be missed. There will be people that you can reach that no one else can, no matter how old, no matter whether you're you know, younger girls down here or whether you're you know, a bit older like myself or, or wherever it is, like anyone in the middle. There will be people that, you, that will be missed, there will be opportunities missed because you've thought, nah, it's just not me. What would I say anyway? You know, like, yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, like, you know, I don't know what to say. If some, what if someone asked me a question I didn't know? Like, what do I say then? Just say, I don't know. That's pretty, you know, like, what I find. Like, like, it's sharing your faith. This is the difference that God has made for me. Tell them your story. Tell them the story. Tell them what God has done for you and why you'd, you'd be a Christian at all. But I think if we, if we didn't do it, there's going to be an opportunity missed. 
if we, if we leave it up to someone else, there's another thing that happens, and that is, I think, that we miss out on the good fishing stories. Damo, I'm nearly inclined to give you a microphone and, you know, come back up here and tell me about more fishing stories, but I'm not going to embarrass you. You know, like, I've got a few good fishing stories. Um, probably the best fishing story, I won't tell you. Second best fishing story, um, I remember... <laughs> No, I can't tell the story. All right. Well, let's just say the, the term blown out of the water comes to mind. But I won't tell you that one. But like, I remember when I was fishing, you know, you, you're out there, and I remember as a kid, um, I remember this one time, I was only, I don't know, I was in primary school, I remember fishing on a bridge, and, and, and there's, you could actually see the fish in the water, and, and they'd all start to move off, and you'd throw out, a, you'd throw out your, your hook, and you'd throw it sort of past them, and you'd drag them all back in, and you'd just, just play with them for hours, all these fish, and you'd catch one or two, and... You know, like, we've all got good fishing stories. We've all got stories where you go, no, yeah, you know, it was a really big one, or it fought, or it, or it um, you know, I had to do this, this, and this, or I had to get up in the middle of the night, and I went out, and it was these conditions, and, and it was, um, you know, I had to wait for the tide to be right, or I had to, you know, go out so far, or I got this, or it was so nice, whatever it was. These sort of fishing stories that you hear people brag about, it's just how it is, um, but you miss out on that. You miss out on that. And I don't know if you, and if you've never, if you've never actually been or thought about it too much about actually helping someone else in their spiritual journey, it's the best thing ever. It really is. It's just, it's so much, it brings so much joy to actually think that, that someone else has taken on Jesus Christ and has actually stepped out and, and you've actually changed someone's eternal consequences. Or you've been a part of that, changing someone's eternal consequences. How cool is that? I remember um, back in the day, back when I was um, just starting out in ministry, I'd just finished at, at college and, um, and one of the presidents, of, you know, there was going to supposedly be my new employer, um, come and asked, was at, during an interview and said, Neil, um, what's one of the most rewarding experiences in ministry for you? And, uh, and I can honestly say the, the, the answer was very, very easy. And that is, and by far, and it still is today, by far, the most rewarding thing in ministry is seeing somebody make a decision for Jesus Christ and just knowing, you know what, their whole, their whole eternity has just been changed because of that. According to the Bible, you know, you're coming to Jesus gives you a life eternal, gives you, gives you something to do, somewhere to be after you die or after this world's finished. And having a hand in that, even a small part in that, that's cool as. And if you've never experienced it, be a part of it somewhere, try harder, I don't know, just get in there and do it, it's, it's, so, but standing back and just going, well, I could never do that, like, you know, I don't know much about this God stuff myself, or I'm only young, or, or whatever it is, no, 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 God has placed you in a situation that nobody else is, and you are able to reach nobody, like other people that nobody else are able to reach, and I mean that, I'm not just up here trying to G it up or something, I mean that, like, that truly is how it is, and the other thing which I suppose, number three, point number three about what this will do, if you, if you decide to just to sit back and go, oh, and that is your Christian experience becomes all about me. Because what else is there? And it is, Lord help me, Lord protect me, Lord help me, give me, protect me, help me. It's just me, you'll find me in the sentence of your prayer all the time. I'm not saying it's a bad thing altogether, but if that's all there is, then it's just like, well, what could God do for me? What can I get out of this? And it's like, your experience is like just shrunk right down into what it really could be. Um, we'll talk about this over the next few weeks. 
Uh, we're going to get a little bit deeper into maybe some of the hows, some of the why. Why would we actually get out there and do this sort of stuff? How we might be able to go about it. Um, I don't want to, you know, I, I, wanna, I don't want to scare you off, but I want to give you, I guess, all of us, no matter whether, again, whether we're just someone who's just sort of beginning to be interested in this God stuff, or whether you've been around, you know, Jesus Christ for a long, long time, doesn't matter. I think we can all be part of this. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes we sort of think, well, you know, like right at the start, we're talking about some people uh, don't go there and think, man, I wish they'd just, those Christians just leave us alone, you know, <laughs> I wish they'd just, you know, get out of our face and why do they always want, want us to become, you know, followers of Jesus Christ? Well, well, I'll tell you pretty straightly, there's a bit of a purpose to it and that is because, according to Jesus himself, unless we give our life over to him, unless we come to him, then this world is all we have. That's it. But if we're able to, to connect with Jesus Christ and seek Him and, and you know, have the forgiveness with Jesus, then there's something a lot better. There's something a lot, like this is, this is rubbish compared to what's going on and what's coming up. This world. Um, and as Christians, I guess we, I hope this doesn't come across arrogantly, but we don't think that we're better than anyone else. Maybe some of you do, I don't know. But I'm we don't think we're better than anyone else. But hopefully we are, and I'll start again, I hope this is not arrogant, but I think we are better off. We're not better, we're not, but we are better off. We do have something. We do have something to offer. We do have something to give. We do have a message that, you know what, this is pretty cool if you can put it in the right context and we can understand it. And the other thing is, you know, that we're, as Christians, we're glad we're here. We're glad that somebody else caught us. We're glad that somebody went out of their way to impact us. I want to do something to finish off. Um, this is homework. I'm saying the word homework, knowing that like, I'm going to get thrown, things thrown at me, from, particularly from the students and from the teachers who don't want to mark it. Okay, there's no marking. Okay, all right, I'm not going to check it. All that sort of stuff. But I'm going to give you something to do, if you want to. Um, and, that's, and this is what it is. I would love for you, okay, everybody, again, no matter, no matter where you are at with God, whether, it, like I said, whether it's something that you're just like, God who? Or whether it's something you've been around God for a long time. I would love for you to go home or this afternoon, tonight or this afternoon, or sometime very soon, to go home. And I'd love for you to write a letter to the person who brought you to Jesus Christ. Here's the reason why. When we start to realise how much of an impact Jesus Christ has made in our life, I think it begins to motivate us to go, you know what, if there is even a small chance that I could have that impact in someone else's life, I'd like to take that on. So I'd, like, I'd love for you to go home and to write a letter to the person. You don't have to give it to them, all right? And, and some of you, maybe, maybe that person, you wouldn't have a clue where they live or indeed there's some people here that, that you know, that person might have passed away or it might, you know, it might be years and years ago or I don't know. That's not probably, you know, whether you choose to send it or not, that doesn't matter. That's cool if you do, okay if you don't. But the exercise here, and I wish I'd thought of this idea myself and say it was all original but it's not, I've blogged it off someone else. But <laughs> I'd love for you to go home and write a letter and just to thank 
the person who brought you to Jesus and to see, to see what that's like. I, and I, and he's, next week, I'm going to check up, I am going to check up on your homework. I'm not going to read it, all right, but I'm going I'm I'm to prompt you again. I'm going to see if you've done this. But next week, there's going to be two groups of people who are here and sitting here today and have heard this. There's going to be people who might go, you know what, that would have been a great idea. And yeah, I could see the benefit of that. And there's going to be another group of people who go, I did that. And I was amazed. That was even more impacting than I could imagine. Because I can pretty much guarantee, I'll use the word guarantee, that if you actually do this, you'll actually probably, actually probably, you will see and feel stuff more than you'd ever seen. And you've more, more than you've ever realised how much of an impact that. Now, because I'm giving out this homework, I thought, you know what, I probably should do that myself because, like, you know, I shouldn't be a hypocrite and not do it. So I thought I'd actually sit down and do, it, do this myself. And I thought I'd actually write a letter myself before I got here. And, and so I did. And so I wrote this letter, and it's pretty full on, actually, uh, when, I, when I started writing it. And I, for me, the experience was just that. I, I, I was like, wow, I'm really surprised how, how much that meant to that person and how much it means to me. So... I'm going to read you my letter. Um, I hope I don't need a tissue anyway. I think I'll think about it. Dear Mum and Dad, that's who it was. Uh, like I said, grew up a Christian, grew up in a Christian home, and, and they were the people that just were always there. Uh, I know I had a very unique and fortunate start to life. I never realised it at the time, but what I had growing up is so far from common. The loving spiritual home life, the close church community, which was like us, our extended family. The time you were both able to spend with us, especially with you, Dad, spending every spare moment I had doing stuff with you on the farm, for me, it seemed just the norm, but it's not, and it truly moulded me. I'm shifting in my seat just a little bit. Um, I understand the sacrifice uh, that you both made in order to give us this. Having, having your, uh, your children connected with Jesus and having them in heaven one day meant more to you than anything else. Even though it was a disastrous move economically to sell the farm at Wandaan and move to Narrabri so that we could have a church community. Pause, just saying. And so we didn't have to go to boarding school and no doubt shaped my life significantly. Even your move to Yarra helped me to grow in Christ so much more than, you probably, uh, than probably any of us could have realised at the time. I just wanted to say thanks for the time you spent with me. The sacrifices you made are still living with us, are still living uh, just so I could have the best opportunity to have a, a life with Jesus in my life. Uh, thanks for introducing me to Jesus. I have, uh, if I have managed to help even just one person in some way in their spiritual journey, then of course the success belongs to God himself, but God also works through people. And anything that I've ever managed to do for God... Didn't see that coming. Uh, the credit also needs to come back to you. So thanks for, thanks for that, Mum and Dad. Like, I don't know what, yeah. It's cool, you know, to recognise that someone's actually had an impact in your life. Um, give it a shot. Just, I don't know who it is, I don't know who it was. I guarantee there's someone, there's someone that's made that impact for you. And then maybe, just maybe, it might inspire us to get out and do something for someone else. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you uh, that you were there. Um, 
thank you for the times and the people um, that you've placed in our lives uh, that have made a difference in, in us. And I just pray that, that we can begin to understand, just even start to understand, just the, just the basics. That being a follower of you is all about also sharing that with other people. And I pray that they can get into that. And I pray that can be an exciting journey. And uh, we've seen lots of stuff happen here at Refresh, even just this year, with people um, coming to this place and to begin to, I guess, feel like um, there's a community here, there's a, there's a home here for them, and, um, and to get connected with you even more, and, and just that sort of stuff. And it's just great to be a part of it. It's exciting to be a part of it. And I just pray that um, we can be challenged to continue that um, in every step of our life, every day of our life, um, from here to whenever. Thanks, Lord. Amen.